Hosea chapter 2, if you take your Bibles, Hosea chapter 2, and while you're turning there this morning, I'll update you on our, uh, our list. We have 237 tracks that we passed out this year so far, and uh, so uh, we had 125 last week, so keep up the good work and keep reporting Uh, those and praying uh, all week long that God will let those get into the hands of the people who need to hear the gospel. Everyone needs to hear the gospel, but those who will believe, we sure want them to uh, come into contact with them. The title of the message this morning in Hosea chapter 2 is Beasts, Birds, and Bugs. Beasts, Birds, and Bugs. Boy, I tell you, that's that's a one for the ladies right here now. Hosea chapter 2, God willing, we'll be expounding verses 16 through 17. Last week we learned that God sometimes sends us into valleys, that He may use those valleys, as He said through Hosea, as doors of hope, a door of hope in our lives. We learned that divine pain always has a divine purpose. And God was going to take Israel and bring her into a valley of judgment and sorrow for her sins of idolatry. And by removing his blessings from her, he would cause her to see that he was the one true God who had lovingly been providing for her at all times. And not those false gods that she went after, that she went whoring after, as the scripture says. And this would cause her, when he brought all of that out and took all the wonderful blessings away from her that he alone had given, that would cause her to cast away her idols and return back to God as the prodigal son returned back to his father in Jesus' parable. Thus the pain she endured would not destroy her, but it would preserve her. The divine pain had a divine purpose for the people God loved. And it does for our lives too. And now we move forward in our text this morning where God continues saying in verse 16, And it shall be at that day, saith the Lord, that thou shalt call me Ishi. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious word. And God, we pray all eyes will be upon you this morning. Be laid upon your scripture to hear what your Holy Spirit has to tell us through your word. And Father, we pray, Lord, you'll open our hearts and our eyes of our understanding. And Lord, feed us with your scriptures and edify your body, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And it shall be at that day, said the Lord, that thou shalt call me Ishi. The Hebrew word Ishi is very fascinating to me. It's uh, not translated here in the King James. It's just ishi. Just just the Hebrew word raw given to us. And in addition to that, what makes it so fascinating to me is how and when it was first used in the Bible. If you would, keep your place here in Hosea and turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Isn't it amazing how everything goes back to Genesis and ends up in Revelation, no matter what you do? Genesis chapter 2, and let's read verse 18 through 25 together. Genesis 2, verse 18 through 25. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture, but it's going to be enriched in our eyes today. 
And the Lord God said, it is not good that man and outside of man, if you want to, in your margin, write the word Adam. And then draw a line from the word Adam in your margin to this word man. Or Adam. Okay? I think is how it's really supposed to be pronounced in Hebrew. But, but Adam or Adam. It's not good that Adam should be alone. Now, Adam is the Hebrew word. Man is the translation of the Hebrew word Adam. Okay? So, it's not like Adam's just a name. <laughs> it's, uh, it's uh, even though we just use it like that today. But it's translated as man here. It is not good that the man, it's not good that Adam should be alone. I will make him and help meet or suitable for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam. That's the same word translated man. It's just not translated there. Brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them and whatsoever Adam called every living creature that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle into the fowl of the air, into every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found in help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, that's Adam in Hebrew, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Once again, Adam in Hebrew. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of Ishi. Ishi. What a switch. What a change. This whole time we've been looking at Adam, 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 man, 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 Adam, Adam, Adam. Same word. And then suddenly, when we get to this incredible first surgery ever performed, Brother Doug, people think it's fairy tales in the book of Genesis. And then thousands of years later, we're doing it routinely in hospitals. But God knew about the science before the science did. And here's God... He opens Adam up, he takes out this rib, closes his flesh back when he's in a deep sleep. He makes her into a woman. And then Adam says, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Speaking of the woman here, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of Ishi. And here God is saying about Israel in the latter days, they're going to call me Ishi. Look at that. Look at that. Now let's move on. Verse 24 here in, in Genesis. Move on. Therefore shall a man, that's Ishi again, leave his father and mother and shall cleave. In Genesis, underscore the word cleave. And you may want to take Ishi and write Ishi out in your margin. Point it back to the, to the, the two times it's translated man there. Shall a man cleave and then take the word cleave and tie it back to Ishi. Cleave unto his wife. And they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked 
the Adam and his wife. And we're not ashamed. Goes back to Adam again. So it's Adam, man, Adam, man, Adam, man. But when it comes to this incredible moment where, where the, the rib is taken from man, it's taken from Ishi. And then from that point forward, when a man and a woman are married, that man's going to cleave unto his wife, and there'll be one flesh, but it'll be Ishi cleaving to his wife. Ishi cleaving to the bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. So you see the word Ishi here has the idea, not just of manhood, but of manhood in relation to the closeness, the intimacy, the oneness with the wife God has given him. And now God is saying, at the end of time, Israel, who once was so idolatrous, so whorish, one day she'll look at God and call him Ishi. Wow. What a story here. What a book. It's fascinating to me. Ishi signifies that oneness of the relationship between man and woman. He took a rib from Adam. But he took a woman from Ishi. Adam was placed in the garden. But Ishi was joined to the woman. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of Ishi. So for Israel to call God Ishi was for her to say that she was one with God, her husband. It was for Israel to be joined to her creator in a loving and eternal union. Now folks, we have to realize when we're looking at this incredible prophecy in the book of Hosea. We've learned over and over again. But I have to continue to repeat it. So we don't forget it. Israel in the Old Testament. There is Israel nationally. And there is Israel spiritually. Remember when Jesus was talking to Israel nationally. In the New Testament. He looked at those Pharisees. He said you're of your father the devil. You don't belong to me. You're not God's children. So they were Israel nationally. But they were not Israel spiritually. Remember the book of Galatians says. That those of us who trust in Christ as our Savior. We then become part of Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. In the book of Galatians. And so. Israel when God's prophesying about Israel here in the Old Testament, Israel nationally will come back to God. But when Israel comes back to God, Israel will become what we are. We are the true spiritual Israel of God. The Apostle Paul said, they're not all Israel, which are of Israel. <laughs> so we are the true Israel of God. And so when Israel nationally comes back to Israel, being Israel spiritually then there's going to, as Jesus prophesied, He said, there's going to be one fold, one flock of people joined together. And you know what that one fold is? It's the church of Jesus Christ. 
One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. One head who has one body, his bride, the church. You know what the Bible says about the bride of Christ? We are now bone of his bones and flesh of his flesh. The church is the body of Jesus. Where, as Adam said of his, of his wife, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And then the Bible says of the church, that's what we are to Jesus. Do you see? The only way that this prophecy in the book of Hosea can be fulfilled is if God creates a church that has a head his son has a body. That's the only way. Is if there becomes a bride of Christ. And God is prophesying here through the prophet Hosea. That one day there will be this incredible body of believers. And Israel will be joined into that body. And they are going to look and say, Ishi, we are bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. That's what we are to Jesus. Such amazing prophecy here that could have never been understood until we get to the New Testament as we should. But this is going to be fully realized, as I said, when Israel becomes part of the church. This is a prophecy of Israel's repentance nationally. God is telling them through Hosea that even though Israel left him as a nation, he said, she will turn back to me again. So, you need to understand that Israel should have expected national judgment in the near future. And she should have expected national repentance with eternal blessing in the distant future. You look at Israel today, Israel is still a nation under national judgment. It's, it's quite a mess. In order to get along with their Muslim enemies... The nation of Israel allows it to be illegal for a Jew to pray on the temple mount in Israel for fear of offending Muslims. I'm talking about the place where Solomon's temple was, where the priesthood was, where the sacrifices were. You know, they captured it many years ago. <clears throat> Israel did. They captured the temple mount. <clears throat> But after they captured it, they were then ordered to release it back to the Muslims. Didn't want to start a big uproar. Oh, that stuff drives me crazy. But that's a whole other topic. The thing is this. If you are a Jew in Israel, your homeland, you can't even go to where your temple used to be because of this mosque that's on the Temple Mount right now. And you can't even pray on your own Temple Mount in your own nation because it's illegal for fear of offending the Muslims. You tell me Israel has been restored back? No, sir. No, sir. They haven't. They can pray at the Wailing Wall, but not where their temple once stood. So it's illegal for a Jew to practice their own Old Testament law in their own nation. Think about it. They're under national judgment right now. Yet at the same time, they consider it blasphemy to accept 
their own New Testament scriptures because they're theirs. Jews wrote almost all of the New Testament. So they, they consider it blast, and the New Testament was meant for them. Jesus came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So they, they consider it blasphemy to accept their New Testament scriptures and worship the true God the true, with the true temple, his church. So whether in the Old Testament or the New Testament, the people of Israel are still not serving God according to his word, and they should not expect national blessing until they submit to national repentance which God, here in the book of Hosea, says they will one day do. And when they do, they will call God their husband. They'll call him Ishi, which the church does today. For the scriptures say, we are the bride of Christ. God says, they shall call me Ishi. Look back in your text, and shall no more call me Baali. You may notice here that the word Baali looks similar to the word, what? Baal, right? Baal, we've looked at them worshiping the false god Baal. And, and Bailey is a word that means Lord in the sense of one's master. And there's nothing wrong with calling God Bailey in that sense. For God is our master and our Lord. Bailey in and of itself is not a bad word. But because the pronunciation of it has a tendency to remind them of the false Balaam. Now remember, I know it's confusing. Remember, Baal is singular. uh, And then Balaam is plural. And so false gods were Balaam. If you had one particular false god you were worshiping, that would be Baal. So it has a tendency of reminding them of the false Balaam that Israel used to worship. And so... They won't call God by that name, Bailey, anymore. This is a prophecy that one day the Lord will remove all trace of idolatry from the nation of Israel. And thus from Israel's tongue. The idolatry will be gone from Israel's heart. It will be removed from Israel's tongue. Verse 17, 4, God says, I will take away the names of Balaam. See, the, the, the false gods. I will take away the names of Balaam, the names of the false gods, out of her mouth. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So by taking away the names of Balaam out of Israel's mouth, he's saying that he will remove idolatry from her heart. If you're taking notes, write down Ezekiel chapter 11. Verses 18 through 20. Ezekiel chapter 11 verses 18 through 20. God speaking of Israel said. This is the prophecy. And they shall come thither. And they shall take away all the detestable things thereof. And all the abominations thereof from thence. And I will give them one heart. And I will put a new spirit within you. And I will take the stony heart out of their flesh. Now stony heart, um, you've heard the term someone being hard-hearted. That's what that's referring to. Where they're, they're, they're hard-hearted or they harden their heart. So that, that's a term of rebellion. A hard, stubborn heart. So he says, I'm going to take away the stony heart out of their flesh. And will give them a heart of flesh. That they, will, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. That's Ezekiel prophesying about the same thing that Hosea is prophesying about. 
So there's going to come a day when God removes the idolatries from Israel's heart. Look back in your text now. And they shall no more be remembered by their name. They will no longer be associated in the minds of the world by the false gods they once served. But they shall be known by God's name. Every educated person in this world knows that Israel does not accept Jesus as her Messiah. Everybody knows that nationally. That is. And although there are many Jews who believe in the God of the Bible, they still don't follow the Bible they have. Many Jews today in the United States support the Democratic Party who supports the enemies of Israel. I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it other than the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's all there is to it. But one day, God is going to give the Jews one heart. A unified heart with one another because they will be unified with God through His Son. Through faith in His Son, Jesus. The name Israel will forever be associated with the name of Jesus Christ. It doesn't seem like it today. You try to convert a Jew to, to uh, put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Savior, the promised Savior to come. And they're going to say, oh no, we're still waiting, we're still waiting. But one day, they're going to be known as a Christian nation. Verse 18 and in that day, God said, will I make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field. Man, I tell you, I just love the Bible here. It's like one day, one time, Brother Doug, we're talking about them calling God Ishi. All the idolatries are being removed. And now he says he's going to make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field. Where does that come from? What does that have to do with anything we're talking about? Everything. I want you to notice that God said the covenant will be for the people. You see that? But with the beasts of the field. You see that? Notice the, notice the uh, uh, prepositions here. For them with the beasts of the field. So the covenant will be for our benefit. Israel now being one with us, one the church. The covenant will be for our benefit concerning the beasts of the field. What is God talking about here? Why is God talking about making a covenant for Israel with the beasts of the field? And not only the beasts of the field, but God said, look back in your text, and with the fowls of heaven, or the, or the birds of the sky, and with the creeping things of the ground. Now you know where the title of the message comes from. Beasts, birds, and bugs. The creeping things of the ground. God's going to make a covenant for us, for a spiritual Israel, with the beast, the birds, and the bugs. Why is God going to make a covenant with beast, birds, and bugs? And why would this covenant benefit Israel and thus us, the true Israel of God in the last days? Here's why. You see, the gospel restores everything that's broken. When we think of the gospel primarily, we, we think of God Forgiving us of our sins. We think of God raising us from the dead and us having everlasting life. 
We think of God removing heartache, as the book of Revelation says, no more tears, no more sorrows, no more pain. We think of God doing all of that, but we have to understand that the gospel doesn't stop with man. It expands to everything under man's dominion. Remember what the Bible says about Jesus. This is part of the gospel covenant. The first gospel covenant was made in eternity past between God and Christ. And God said, I will put all things under your feet. All enemies under your feet. And then later in the New Testament we learn how everything's going to be subject to Jesus. Do you know what that means? Do you know do you know who man was under when God made man? He's under God. Do you know who God put under man? He said, "And let them speaking of Adam and Eve, let them have dominion over all these creatures we're reading about right here." So we were under God and they were under us. And because we fell into sin and because the world fell because of man, everything under man fell too. Okay? If uh, if you could picture if you could picture me holding creation in my hands right now. I got beasts, birds, and bugs in my hands. I am mankind. They're under me. They're subject to me. I am their king in the authority of God's kingdom. God's given me dominion over them. Now, if I were to fall, all those are going to fall with me. You see? All of it falls with me. That's what happened when Adam sinned. All the creation under him fell with Adam. Just like us, who weren't in the garden sinning actively, we all fell from Adam too, because we all came from Adam. He is our head as a human race. And so when man gets restored back to our original intended creation, guess what gets restored with us? Everything under us gets restored too. That's why Jesus said in the book of Revelation, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And all the former things are going to be passed away. The creation is going to be restored back to the way it's supposed to be. So the, the covenant that God's making with the beasts, birds, and bugs, you know what it is? It's the same covenant God made when He said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It's the same covenant when, when He said, and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Same covenant with the beasts, birds, and bugs. Same covenant where God said to Abraham, and thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Same covenant. Extends from the woman's seed to Abraham's seed to all the families of the earth and to the beast, birds, and bugs as well. 
They have no sin to be delivered from. But all creation is going to be restored. Everything that fell will rise again. Think of it that way. Everything that fell will rise again. After Jesus comes, the ants will no longer bite us. After Jesus comes, the lions will no longer chase us. After Jesus comes, the mosquitoes will sing the songs of Christ in our ears. After Jesus comes, it will be a blessing to happen upon a snake. What we are seeing here is an Old Testament prophecy of how the gospel of Christ will not only deliver men from the effects of sins, but it will deliver the animals too, and the birds, and even the bugs that crawl on the ground. Everything will be restored back to the way it's supposed to have been. One day, creation was under Adam and he fell. And when that first Adam fell, all creation fell with it. But one day another Adam is going to come. The Apostle Paul calls him the second Adam. And when the second Adam comes, as the beast and the birds and the bugs fell in the first Adam, so they will rise in the second Adam, Jesus. I'm not saying that God is going to restore every little puppy dog back that ever lived or anything like that. What I'm going to say is all the creation will be restored. Romans 8.21, write this down in your margin outside of uh, your text here in Hosea. Romans 8.21 says, quote, The creature that is the creation, the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Not only will we, the children of God, be delivered from the bondage of corruption, and we're in the bondage of corruption. We learned about that this morning when Isaac was bound on the altar. He was bound to death. And we're born bound to die. We're born to get old, to get sick, to wear out, to break, and to die. That's what corruption is. It just decays. And as we will be delivered from that bondage of corruption, the Apostle Paul says, the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. The Bible, in fact, says that the creation right now is groaning and just waiting for us to be redeemed. So it can be redeemed too. God is saying, when that day comes, I will restore the entire creation back to the way I intended it to be. Look back in your text now in Hosea. And I will break the bow and the sword and the battle out of the earth. I will break the bow and the sword and the battle. Man, that's good. My wife and I were watching a good old western last night. We love those. Man, those Indians, they were shooting with those bows and arrows. God says, I'm going to break that bow. The swords, I'm going to break it. The battle, I'm going to take conflict. I'm going to break it too. Break all conflict. The beast, the birds, and the bugs, and the battle. Man, if I'd have known that, I would have titled it a little longer. Beasts, birds, bugs, and battles. How about that? I won't break it all. Jesus, when He comes, He not only restore Israel, He not only restore creation, 
He'll restore peace. Peace. Ending conflict forever. Look back in your text. And will make them to lie down safely. Tell me. Is this not what we need? I don't care what your beef is with the Bible. Is it not what we need? It is. It's what this world needs. And it's what God provides. And He only provides it one way. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ. As He's told us here in His word. This is the world's hope. One day the world's going to be perfect again like it was in the Garden of Eden. Perhaps you're thinking that sounds so wonderful, but that's God talking about Israel. What's it saying about us? Where are we in this prophecy? Remember, we are Israel. The nation of Israel will belong to the church, and the church will belong to the true Israel of God. Remember, God told Abraham and him, all nations of the earth would be blessed. Remember this, in the Old Testament, God gave us... A real beautiful clue. In the Old Testament he said. That the sojourner. That is the stranger. Who came and lived with Israel. They in Israel. Would have one law. One. The same law. That was letting us know. Way back in the Old Testament. Under the Old Testament law. Anyone. That joined up with Israel would have the benefits of Israel's law. One law for the Jew, one law for the Gentile. And that can only mean one thing God would allow strangers to enter and dwell in the benefits of his covenant law. <laughs> and here we are in the book of Hosea, and God's making another covenant. Based off the old covenant, based off the old covenant, based off the original covenant that God made with Christ. So here we are. Everything you're reading in Hosea is meant for you. For you. And God's going to keep His promise one day. Just as sure as there is a grave below us, Just as sure as we are all familiar with corruption. We will all who trust in Christ.